0: morning, everyone. You found Financial Food for Thought. Carrie, guess why I'm playing this song.
2: Mm.
0: Have you ever heard this song?
2: Before? Yeah, I have.
0: Yeah, it must have come out after 1980, right? Right. I bet you won't be able to remember the group.
2: I I, I would take a couple guesses. Does it begin with S? It does. Scorpion? Very good. Oh, See, you're getting more in, like, 80s, 90s, to current country...
0: We got Mark Dowling, Carrie You found financial food for thought. Brought to you by the Estate Planning Team, and here's you know. all right, Carrie. So we have the cruel, somber, somber of 22, right?
2: Oh, that's that's a and terrible way to start someone's Saturday morning, Mark.
0: Well, actually, we're taping this on Friday. Oh, I know, morning, I- and we heard, but you, you heard Jamie Diamond, right?
1: Sunny, things are doing fine. You know, everyone thinks that the, the Fed can handle this. That hurricane is right out there, down the road, coming our way. We just don't know if it's a minor one or Superstorm Sandy, or uh, yeah, Sandy or or uh, Andrew or something like that. And it's you, you better brace yourself.
0: There you go. Mm-hmm. You better brace yourself, Carrie. Uh, so we've been talking about this for a long time, and
2: just gave us all brand-new iPhone
0: 13. Let me turn that guy off, Kerry. All right. So the news, we got a lot of data this week. A lot of people we heard from President Biden this morning, actually. we were taping the show on Friday morning. Um, the, we have the, you know, not only do we just hear Jamie Dimon, of course, he leads J.P. Morgan talking about the economic hurricane that's coming um, we also Elon Musk made headlines this week when he said that he has a super bad feeling Gary
2: well yeah and there was an art I was gonna say today it said that Tesla is gonna pause hiring and cut 10%, 10% percent of yeah. their staff
0: yeah that was that was his comment he was saying that he just he's got a super bad feeling. And when you've got a super bad feeling, that's what you do. We talked about this uh, be, before. It, the, the companies, they, if they're trying to save their bottom line, they got to cut costs, and the quickest, easiest way to cut costs is
2: employees laying staff. off
0: employees. If that starts happening, and that's a self fulfilling prophecy that w- leads to stagflation, because we already have the high inflation, we've got a slowing growth, not that necessarily. Are we going to have a recession? I don't know, meaning two consecutive negative GDP quarters. I don't know. Could, could not. Maybe in the next 12 months, maybe next 18, possibly in the next 24, right? But the idea is if companies start laying off, that's the third leg of stagflation, a higher unemployment. Now, that's why the jobs data was watched so closely. So I'll go over the little data that we got the triple payroll this week you know we had adp and we had the jolts report and we had the weekly jobless claims and of course we had the jobs report th- this morning um but it's interesting one of the questions after president biden's presser this morning they somebody asked about elon you know because president biden was hey the jobs report was pretty good right right um so we're still creating a ton of jobs and and Someone asked him, well, yeah, but what about Elon Musk saying 10% layoff? And and President Biden off the cuff. You know, when he's off the teleprompter, you never know what he's going to say. Right. Right? I, I didn't catch it all. I mean, because I, I'm listening to it on the radio on the way in. Um, he said something about, you know, <laughs> President Biden said something about Elon, you know, ha- having a nice trip to the moon. Well, you know, oh, okay. Talking about his SpaceX. So I don't know. Biden's, a, Biden's an angry old man, Gary.
2: Well, I, I one of the headlines must have been after I'm looking now, it said um many economists rips Biden's inflation response. President can't be more wrong that he can't do anything right.
0: Yeah. And, and we said, I really don't know how much the president, United States, whoever that may be, can control inflation.
2: No, but I think policies or I don't know. Got to do something. I mean, look at when you said bad feeling. I don't know, Mark. I had a bad feeling when I had to fill up gas twice this week. Oh, yeah. I I mean, mean, just from Monday to Thursday. You
0: know, Bloomberg, one of their articles, one of their shock lines this week was saying that a study says that one third of Americans earning at least $250,000 a year say they are living paycheck to paycheck.
2: Hmm maybe they have long commutes <laughs>
0: um, you know it so so that's what we're here to talk about it, we haven't had to deal with biden inflation this right. inflation if you are uh, you know and, and so now is this you know, going to cause retirement destruction. I'm calling right. it now. You know this demand destruction. Is it going to cause you derailment of your retirement? Is it going to? Do you know? Do, right. That's the. A that's lot of the people point.
2: don't know because they feel like they should.
0: Everyone can cut back, Harry. Right. Everybody can tighten their belt.
2: Right, Uh, including let's hopefully the government should in some ways. Well, no, they can't. (laughs) Right, they won't.
0: But everyone else can.
2: It's our money. Yeah.
0: Um, Now, does that mean everybody has to? No. In the beginning of the when we started to lose faith in that this inflation was transitory, I I kept saying on the show. I kept asking our. State planning team clients, is it bothering you? Are you making adjustments? And all I got back was, no, Mark's not bothering me. No, no, no. Not yet. It's a different case now. Right. And, and inflation, you know, you, you leave that higher inflation in for 12 months, 24 months. It's a whole different ballgame. And
2: I think the difference is it's such a jump. Because when I was grocery shopping last weekend, which was I should have planned ahead because shopping, grocery shopping on Memorial Day weekend is not fun too crowded for me but uh, you know there were uh, people stop you know we're talking and said look at these prices they're not even jumping from week to week by 10 percent. it's like a 30 percent jump and this lady was going on and on and she tracked her and then even the gas prices it's not even i know the gas station by me that i pass every day you know jump 35 40 cents this week that's not those small increments right. those are th- that's when i think you start feeling it
0: Right, and, and, and that's when do you start changing your behavior. And so, so the question becomes, do you need to do that? Do you need to postpone your retirement? Do you need to postpone that next major purchase, whether that be an automobile, could be a new house? We know that we have data now saying that the housing market is is cooling off, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, it
2: couldn't sustain that anyway. I mean, the way prices were.
0: Right. But yet we also have, you know, American Airlines saying their their revenues are going through the roof. Mm -hmm. Europe, they say Europe is packed. You know, this this spring season, Um, you know, the the travel, the people, all the pent-up travel. You know, in other words, it's (laughs) globally, Carrie, it's we've got a wealth gap. Right. And there's a lot of people who won't even bat an eye with this higher inflation. And there's a lot of people that it's going to really hurt.
2: And I think sometimes people that when we see in the process, people who are worried are saying, I'm not going to be able to retire now or I'm going to have to work longer. Sometimes when we run the numbers and even running conservative growth rates, uh, building in a recession and higher inflate, guess what? They can still retire. It's not going to affect. Okay, their estate's going to be nine hundred thousand at age at their life expectancy versus it was going to be one point two million. I'm just saying it, it materially doesn't impact. their long term spending plans when they are thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to work in a job longer that I don't love. Or some people say I'm going to retire this day and things are going to be all rosy. We have that group of people because they don't know. They said, oh, we'll be fine. We'll adjust. Well, when you run those scenarios, um, they're coming up short. Right. So, you know, you need to rethink some and, of the choices that you're making.
0: And and that's the predicament if you're not running a detailed financial model. Mm-hmm. If you're just winging it, you know, and shooting from the hip and saying, I think I'm going to be okay. Or Elon Musk, I have a... a bad feeling? A, a super bad feeling, Karen. Okay. Not even a bad feeling. All right. A super bad feeling. Um, you know, and and it's also... It, the idea of running a detailed financial model is you're projecting out more than just the next 2 weeks right or 2 months or 2 years it's it's really yeah we could have this you know economic hurricane hit us in the next 24 months mm-hmm. and there are, quite frankly there's not a whole lot you can do about it and by the way there's not a whole lot Joe Biden can do about it right all right so get over it In other words, the question is, is that going to give you – is that enough of a hit that it's going to change your economic – Outlook 25 years. Is it going to change
2: things that you're doing today, actual steps in your behavior or retirement or big spending plans?
0: Right. That's where the discipline of financial planning says, instead of making knee-jerk reactions to the shock lines that you're reading about, is that are you doing enough? Are you sharpening your own elbows? Are you doing enough of your homework? Are you putting enough, are you doing enough work to really distinguish between between mandatory spending, including a good, uh, you know, know, uh, conservative, realistic assumption for future health insurance premiums. We got some data from the Social Security and Medicare, Mm -hmm. the trustees, as we care. I want to go over that today. Um, But the idea is that's what's tough to do in your head, to try to run an economic model for 30 years, adding in inflation and how your spending picture changes. And, and, and that's what we've really been helping our clients at the estate planning team, you know, get their arms around and saying, yeah, what we're, we're, let's run a more conservative model or a worst-case model. I, I'm calling it the, you know, economic hurricane model. Mm-hmm. So what goes into the economic hurricane model? Well, that would be where you're modeling in not only – a higher inflation for the next few years, not that you're saying inflation is going to be 6 or 7% handle for the next 30 years. I don't know if anyone really believes that. Certainly, our Federal Reserve doesn't believe that. But could we have that higher embedded inflation for the next few years? Well, maybe that's why you want to run that worst-case scenario. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want us to run inflation at 7% for the next 30 years, guess what?
2: We can do that for you. Right. The robot
0: doesn't care. The robot takes all emotions out of it.
2: And that's the thing is having a plan. Maybe you want to see my current thinking. That might be a plan A. Then you might want to see a worst case scenario. Then you may want to see other scenarios. And, And that's what we do. We do that modeling and number crunching.
0: And, and so so if you really want to say what goes into the economic uh, I used to call it economic downturn care I'm now I'm calling it the economic hurricane not only do you do you model in higher embedded inflation for the next a few years you also add in the recession mm-hmm. where there is a market drop you know where there is and 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 so now you're modeling in both those scenarios higher embedded inflation and and a recession in the next few years. Now, that is maybe where you're getting to to where you're saying, okay, this may be a worst-case scenario. Now, I want to know if that does happen, and I don't change any of my other assumptions in terms of spending and or retirement dates and or, you know, more importantly, discretionary spending. Am I still going to be okay in the end? And some people will, some people won't, Mm -hmm. but either way, it gives you, it leaves you in a better decision-making mode.
2: And And the fact that that's just even the first place, because I think now more than ever, people need to be proactive and take advantage of opportunities and look at how do you create income tax efficiently how do you set things up so that you're minimizing your cumulative tax liability how are you making sure that your medicare b premiums you're not going through that um irma threshold um and making all these adjustments i mean we have clients that want to go through all the steps of the process and other people who have a good handle on their expenses and we have people that know you know what i can adjust i'm doing enough discretionary that i'm not going to run out of money but I want to look at effective and efficient IRA and company plan distribution planning. I want to take advantage of Roth conversion planning and other tax-free dollars, especially if you're concerned about future tax increases, which many people are. And you're listening to Financial Food for Thought here this morning, and we're here every Saturday morning on 1420 a.m. between 9 and 10, and we're sponsored by the estate planning team. And we've been talking this morning what we do at the estate planning team. We're planners we're analysts. Um, what we do is that traditional financial planning and number crunching and modeling. And we've been around more than 35 years and are affordable fee based fiduciary planners that have been helping people now more than, again, 35 years through unbiased objective advice and analysis. And whether you need a lot of help and want help through the analysis, recommendations, and step by step implementation and coordination with other advisors, Or if you just need help with analyzing pieces and parts and you have a good handle of, we have both hourly and comprehensive retainer fees available. Um, We offer a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation, which we can do by phone or in person to see if you can benefit. What we do is very different. And if you listen to the show, you know we don't do investments. Our clients do that on their own or they already work with an existing investment advisor. What we do is very different. We do these models, which then helps your investment person or yourself to know how much risk are you taking and are you taking on more risk than necessary to accomplish your goals? And again, it comes down to knowing your number and knowing, you know, you know, um, But now I lost my train of, as far as, you know what, you don't, you know, you don't know what questions to ask. Uh, You know, you don't, you know what I'm trying to say. You don't know what you don't know. Thank you. (laughs) I got all tongue tied there. I
0: don't know what you're trying to say, but I think I'm trying to say that.
2: Yeah, that's exactly because we run into things all the time. I ran into someone this week, um, that wanted to come in for a consultation. They're continuing to work because they thought that they got their higher Medicare B premium because they went on Medicare and, um they're in that higher threshold and yeah. they thought they had to keep working in order to get under. So they did a scale back. They didn't realize you can appeal that yep. they, they could have retired. I mean, you don't know because you haven't had experience and yeah, they're good at their field, but they didn't know. So I said, you're continuing. I hate this. I just, I scaled back cause I don't want to pay so much more in medical.
0: Yeah. Eh. It, it, it's, or sometimes we say a lot of new clients come in and they said, Mark, I don't even know what questions I need to be asking my other advisors,
2: but we do, and
0: and that's where the coordinated effort is so important. Right. And if if you're in that position and, and where, you know, if you look at the maybe the five professionals that you may hire to help you build whatever you want to call it a retirement model, we used to call it an estate plan, whatever financial plan, the idea is it could be the attorney, it could be the tax preparer, could be the investment advisor. Could be the insurance agents, or it could be what we consider ourselves a traditional financial mm-hmm. planner. Now the question is, if if that it's not unusual that somebody coming to see us has some of those already in place, right? Um, and maybe they're just looking for the ones that aren't in place yet. But but the question is, if you do have those people already in place, the, here's my question to you: How often are they ever talking together with you? In other words, in the same meeting room
2: or on a conference call or a
0: three-way conference call. Mm, bet, you
2: know, how bet, often bet is not. yeah
0: is, if your is your investment advisor ever ask you for a copy of your tax return to help you with understanding the different tax strategies? Um, has your attorney ever talking to your insurance agent about whether your life insurance should be inside or outside your estate? I could go on and on and on. You know, today, Carrie, if I have time, I'm going to talk a little bit more about health savings accounts. Mm -hmm. You know, I started that last week. You know, I always go back and listen to our podcast show. If I don't get to today, I'll get to it in the the upcoming weeks. And that's a good example. You you know, we've noticed over the decades we've been helping clients is that one, you know, if we discover in the initial, you know, data gathering that the client has an HSA or has availability for an HSA, even if they haven't funded it yet. Mm Mm-hmm that they really don't understand. No one's helping with them. So that's my good point. So if you have all these other advisors already in place, how many of them are helping you with understanding your HSA, if you've Hmm. got one, and and the strategy that you could be using for that and how that fits in to your 30-year economic retirement model? Or is it just out there and no one's even dealing with it? And you tell someone, well, I have an HSA, and they're like, oh, okay. Here, let me roll over your 401k to my IRA so I can help you with that. Yeah. that's that, sound, you know, so, so, you know, so that's again, so the idea of coordination of advisors, it's okay to have independent advisors. The important thing is, are they talking to one another? Are they all working in a vacuum based on just what they want to do, or are they working together on your
2: plan? Right. And And, and and I was going to say go. I'm sorry. I'm
0: just saying addressing your concerns.
2: Right. And our role is advisor. We can make recommendations. It doesn't mean you need to follow them. Or maybe you say, I don't want this. Then we make another recommendation. Our job is to be objective and say, hey, this is the best scenario based on what you told us and if you want to find out more and you want to schedule a free consultation we're scheduling now throughout the end of summer again we're doing that by phone or in person you can give us a call we will call you back on monday if you send an email from through the website you can get, you'll get a response that way call 440-239-2090 that's 440-239-2090 or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com okay. It's a hurricane. Theory.
1: Right now, it's kind of sunny. Things are doing fine. You know, everyone thinks the the Fed can handle this. That hurricane is right out there, down the road, coming our way. We just don't know if it's a minor one or Superstorm Sandy, or uh, yeah, Sandy, or or uh, Andrew, or something like that. And it's see, you you better brace yourself.
2: <sighs>
0: okay. So, did the payroll data lead? to a decision-making mode on whether that hurricane is going to come now or not. So, all right, the JOLTS report. Okay. Uh, you know, the jobs opening labor. All right. That came in at 11.4 million, um, which was good. Slightly, you know, about a 455,000 decline though, from the previous months, uh, you know? Um, so hiring and quits, were little changed. so that's back to the Great Resignation, Carrie. Right? In other words, we, we you know, how did that? It, it, you know, what we're keeping an eye on that too. You know, that the, the, that point of you know, there's two job openings for every person willing to looking for work, right? Uh, so I guess the labor market still remains tight. Um, you know, again with those record job openings in combination with record low layoffs so far, Carrie. Right. And and mm-hmm. that's what we're saying. It, you know, it is a, now they said about a, about another 4.4 million workers left their positions. Now that doesn't mean right they didn't get a job somewhere else right. right? The, but, but
2: that's a lot.
0: Um, yeah. So it, it's just showing that okay. So the labor market's still tight, right? Um, the ADP report that was a little hit. That came. That was a downside surprise. The street was looking for about 300 thousand new jobs. Uh, with adp it came in about 128,000 carry right um and again it's the second consecutive month where they saw small business jobs drop that's not a good sign no you know for middle america right um so that now then we had the weekly jobless claims you know you know that's people filing you know for unemployment you know mm-hmm. unemployment um they you know remember what what's the magic number that the economists look carry 200,000, right? In, okay. other, in other words, if there's mo- – this is weekly, right? So if there's more than 200,000 a week, that's bad. If there's under 200,000 a week, that's good. Or it's never going to be zero. Right. right? You know, and, but under 200,000 is n- neutral or no red flags. So the consensus they were looking for 210 came in at 200. Okay, So, so um, right at that, you know, what me worry level. So that leads us to the big guy, and that was the jobs report, right? And that came out this morning, and we're taping the show on Friday morning, the uh, June third. All right. So the consensus was looking for about three hundred eighteen thousand, you know, new non-farm payrolls. It came in, Carrie, three hundred ninety thousand. OK, and that's where President Biden, you know, two hours later is out saying, hey, this is the greatest, you know, I'm the greatest, you know, job engine ever.
2: Oh, yeah, because he did that, um,
0: you know, the uh, so that now wage growth. Average hourly or, you know, the wage growth, average hourly earnings, not too stellar. You know, that's the problem. You know, it, it came in. Um, year over year, about 5.2 percent increase. Well, if inflation's running at eight, you know, average hourly earnings increase of five isn't cutting it, Carrie, Right? Mm-hmm. That that's your. In other words, that's you're not maintaining your lifestyle. All right, you're 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 you're, cut, you're eating baloney instead of steak. Okay. All right. Um. You know, you're you're canceling the riverboat cruise. All right. You're de- delaying that next. You know, maybe a new automobile purchase. Mm -hmm. Or maybe a a major home renovation, or maybe a new home, Um, you know those types of things. So that, and then the labor force participation rate um, that ticked up slightly, sixty-two point three. That's what the people are really waiting for is when when are people going to go back to work? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of you know, and that's kind of. What we're saying is that um, here's another shock line story that came out this week, Gary. CEOs warn that U.S. households are burning through savings at an alarming rate and could run out within months. All right. So when if you does that mean when they run out of this excess cash that a lot of people build up when they drop the helicopter money on our laps. Okay. people are now spending that down. So what do they do when they spend it all down? Let's hope
2: they go back to work. Um. So people. All right. Hope you go back to work before you spend it all down. But
0: um. Yeah. So. So again, when you're looking at the 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 payroll data, I don't think. I don't think it's going to change the Fed's decision. I think they're still going to do 50 basis point hikes for the next two sessions. Now, if they then we will see along with. We'll we'll continue looking at the um, inflation data. The next major read their carry will be next Friday, right, June Mm -hmm. 10th, when the CPI data comes out for the next month. So we'll be keeping our eyes on that. Um, Yeah, what about here? Job gains across the country are slowing, but few workers are actually losing their jobs. Okay, so... um, this isn't a soft landing or a hard landing for the economy yet. No sign of company layoffs means the labor market isn't loosening up as much as the Fed officials were hoping. See, this is, a, this is that catch-22, carry. Right. right? You know, the Goldilocks solution is that the Fed wants to cool down the economy. They want to cool down the housing market. They want to get this labor market back in normal. They want to get all that back. And and unfortunately, the price you pay to do that is recession. Hmm. Um and you know that's the so the question is what do you do at home? Um well one do you just get depressed because you read all the shock lines and here's one, Carrie. A comfortable retirement appears out of the reach for most Americans.
2: Oh, that's lovely.
0: All right. Um, American workers say it will take $1.1 on average to retire comfortably. But less than one in four figure they'll ever be able to save that much. All right. So what do you do? Um, Well, one of the things is that we always talk about three steps – that you can do to protect yourself or your family from the next economic hurricane, Carrie. Okay. All right. Um, Okay, one, maintain an adequate cash reserve. All right? Um, Mm -hmm. And because the idea is what hurts even more than watching your investments lose value, and this year it doesn't matter what you're invested in whether it be stocks or bonds, you're down, you're negative. Now your cash, yeah, isn't going down. Your fixed annuities, yes, they aren't going down. But you probably don't have all your money in cash and fixed annuities.
2: Honestly, even like
0: the fixed annuity guys would love you to do that,
2: but in all honesty, you don't, or it's it, you know, any of these strategy assets, you never put all or one in any concept,
0: no, unless you're talking about fixed annuities, Carrie. Because the fixed annuity guys that's what they'll recommend,
2: but the fixed annuity are a great strategy, but it's a part, yes. Does it make sense? What's your exit strategy? When are you going to use it? Do you understand what you're buying? So, we, you know. It is a viable strategy. It is not an all or nothing. Same thing, we wouldn't recommend somebody go into all of the same stock. Or... Yeah,
0: and that's a good point, Carrie, when you mentioned briefly about do you understand what you're buying? In other words, a lot of times when a new client comes in, they've either been a, they, they've either heard about fixed annuities, or been approached by the fixed annuities, or went to a seminar on fixed annuities, even though they didn't realize it was going to be about fixed annuity. Right? right? It's about getting guaranteed income for life. They'll never run out. Yeah, and no market, you know, no upside potential and no downside risk. But really, they really didn't have a good working knowledge of how what is the whole picture of the annuity. It's one, yeah. What do you when you buy one, right? But when do you start using it? you know, when when is it the right time to take it out what's the difference between an a, annuitization and turning on a guaranteed income rider or just taking distributions as needed you know can you buy uh, can you can you uh, you know i thought mark it was you're never supposed to own an annuity inside an ira of course today the majority of the annuities being sold are inside iras mm-hmm. you know so then the question is well is everybody wrong then or was everybody right Not, i mean who was wrong and who was right um, and, and also, by the way, can I convert my IRA annuity to a Roth IRA annuity? How many of you had that discussion? Right. You know, and, and these are all things. Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 another financial tool that's in the financial toolbox. Right. It doesn't mean it it solves every issue that you're facing in an economic
2: hurricane. Mm hmm. And what's the future plan? Not that it sounds good today. What's the future use of that?
0: So anyway, so back to three steps. How do we get off on that track? I don't know. Um, we were talking about... Okay, the the, the the three steps to protect. So adequate cash reserve. You that's know, because a big one. Again, because what, what... I know where I got back on track right now, okay? Because I was saying what what's even hurts more than watching your investments go down is if you have to lock in that loss because you need cash flow in retirement. Mm-hmm. So you have to sell low, right? Um, and, and that's really where a lot of people tighten the belt and say, I won't do that. In other words, I will not buy that next big thing because I'm going to have to sell my investments low to get the cash flow to do it. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm going to put off that and maybe permanently say, I'm never going to do that. Right. Perhaps that may be a bucket list trip or something. Um, so, or I have an emergency, not that our clients, you know, again, because we always ask our clients, you know, what about an emergency fund They say, well, Mark, I'm not planning any emergencies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the point. Nobody's planning the emergency. That's why we call it emergency. Right. Uh, So the idea is, you know, having an adequate cash reserve. So if you do need to get your money, that cash flow, your hands on some money and you don't want to sell low, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. You can rely on your cash reserve. And by the way, if you're not selling your stocks low, you're still collecting the dividends on them. All right. Um, now, you, we can have lo- you know we have long discussions with our clients about what is an adequate cash reserve. By the way, don't ask your neighbors what theirs is, right? Or your coworkers. You better figure this out for yourself
2: because you might have a little you know you may have different circumstances, different needs. Right.
0: But you know if you're talking about in retirement, it's not about loss of wages replacing lost wages because you're in retirement. There are no wages, right? It's more the idea of what's your spending gap. You know that difference between what you truly plan on spending. Let's call it a budget, even though that's a terrible word, Carrie. Right? But um, so let's call it cash flow planning. That's there we sweeter, go. Right? All right. Um, so if we have a if we have an adequate cash flow need schedule, we know exactly how much you need in cash to to. Meet all your financial goals this year, then we can also determine what the gap is. The gap is the difference between your total cash flow needs and what's coming in in fixed retirement income.
2: Mm-hmm. And again,
0: that would be pensions, Social Security, and perhaps an annuitized annuity that you've mm-hmm. turned on the contractual income. Right. So that you you know that's kind of like saying because really none of those go away in a recession. Right. All right. Um, they keep coming in. So really, the, the gap is the difference between your total cash flow needs and that fixed retirement income. That's the, the difference, that balance is what has to come out of your nest egg. So, so, so perhaps you want 12 months, maybe 18 months of your spending gap in your cash reserve. That would be one way of doing it. Okay, second thing you can do is, you had mentioned, Kerry, don't take on more risk than what you need to be okay Right, so rebalance periodically. In other words, if you, you know, let's say that's the 60-40 portfolio, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe, you know, you're a conservative more in a 50-50 portfolio. Well, the idea is to keep that balance. In other words, what happened, you know, prior to this year, we had three double-digit years in a row where, you know, for the S&P 500. So a lot, of, a lot of your allocations got out of whack.
2: Right, as you, you were reinvesting the dividends and and, and just and the, the normal growth,
0: the growth was more. So, in other words, you you if you started prior four years ago at sixty forty, and you left everything the same, you know, going into this year, you might have been closer to seventy thirty than sixty forty. In other words, you are actually taking on more risk. That's where, you know, the professionals locked right. in all those gains. That's why we saw so many capital gains, you know, in the last right. few years on the tax returns. Now, that doesn't bother you if you're in a tax-deferred account, but it kind of hurts if you're on a taxable account and, and, and you weren't. You know, and you didn't realize how high capital gains are going to be. But why the professionals were doing that was to protect exactly what I'm talking about. That's what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Would you rather pay capital gains taxes or, or lock in the losses? Mm. <laughs> you know, and so so the idea is so professionals tend to rebalance. If you're not sure if your investment advisor is rebalancing, here's a question you might want to ask them. Hey, how often do you rebalance?
2: Fair question. Fair question. And if you're doing it yourself, maybe you need to look at it. Some people don't. Or some people got so excited about the gains and how well things were doing, they kept taking on more risk because they believed things were going good and you need to relook at that. Because even those people that maybe were even in a 60-40 didn't need to be in a 60-40 because they didn't know they could do all the spending they wanted to do that they could dream of even with higher inflation rates, a market downturn... And they're still not running out of money. So why would you take on the potential risk? Because we don't know. Yeah. There are too many unknowns in this world.
0: Yeah, and, and and that's why you have to do this for yourself. I mean, and it, Carrie, I, I know this is going to shock a lot of listeners, but we actually, over the 35 years we've been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans, Carrie, we've actually had clients who don't have a dime in the market. Right. You know why? Because they don't need it.
2: Right. And, and for them, and maybe, Mark, I would think the group that lost big in 2008 we've had people park it in fixed position whether it's annuities bonds cash and they're fine with that they said slow growth and little growth and and missing the upside is so much better than potential loss for them and they can sleep at night so that's when it's your plan yeah it's your money yeah because we have
0: other clients Carrie, who have are are north of 80 percent in the stock market and and you know why they are because they like to Because make. they never going to need it for their right. spending anyways. It's all just growing it bigger. Mm-hmm. That's what gets them excited.
2: That's why it's your plan and your uh, your money, and it's our job to give you objective information, but those decisions are yours, which is Mark's talking about the things that we do at the estate planning team for our clients. So call us for a free consultation and take advantage of it. We're doing those by phone or in person at 440-239-2090, that's 440-239-2090, or visit financialfoodforthought.com. Right. And so, Carrie, okay,
0: the third thing, so I'm the three things that you can do to protect your family from the economic hurricane that's coming, mm-hmm. according to Jamie Dimon. All right. The third thing is build your plan R. And, and sometimes we use R meaning a recession or recovery or something like that. And we talked about this about the beginning of the show, you know, the idea is saying just for fun, if you want to, you know, let's run your plan A, let's assume that we don't have anything go bad mm-hmm. in the short term, but let's build a worst case scenario and maybe you want to build in an economic hurricane meaning not only assume higher entrenched inflation For the next few years, but also a recession hitting in the next few years. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, if we look historically, Carrie, over the past eleven recessions, all right, the S and P has declined between fourteen and fifty-seven percent. That's a pretty wide margin. (laughs)
2: Yeah, fourteen to 15%. I I mean, most people say fourteen percent mark. I can
0: handle that. Fifty-seven percent. Ouch. (coughs) Ouch. The average decline has been about twenty-seven and a half percent. Okay, so that's
2: still a big number.
0: It's a big number, Carrie. Now, so let's say, um, you you know, so so again, so this is how you could model the next downturn in a recession. In other words, if you're saying, so let's even use, let's keep the math a little bit simpler on the radio, Carrie. Let's say that's a 25% decline. Let's say that that you believe that we could have a recession in the next 24 months and you're going to assume it's you know, not the worst one, not the 57%. Um, and, and that drop, that's peak to trough, Carrie. That's not mm-hmm. in a calendar year. That's peak to trough. Some people get confused about that. Um, you know, that's a peak to, to trough. Um, but you're saying, well, Mark, let's say we're down next year, 25% in the market. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and let's say you're not hundred percent in stocks. Let's say you're the 60, 40.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So you're thinking, okay, I'm going to eat 60% of that 25% loss.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm going to be down 15%. Okay. Um, now if you were 50, 50 you're going to say, I'm going to eat 50 percent of that 25 percent loss, so I'm going to be down, Gary, 12 and a half percent. And, a half percent. All right. All right. Um, and then you say, I'm going to model in the recovery. And and maybe you don't want to be as rosy as assuming we're going to have another V-shaped recovery like we did in the 2020 Rona recession you know where yeah there was a 50% you know peak to trough drop, drop in the S&P 500 but by the end of the year the calendar year 2020 the S&P still had a double digit return
2: mm-hmm.
0: most people didn't even didn't even bother most people all right um bothered a lot of people mm-hmm. but it didn't but that's the wealth gap all right um now so you would say, okay, so, this, so I'm going to mark the downturn, the loss in the first year. Then I'm going to assume maybe 0% growth in the second year. And then maybe by the third year, I think you know we see the light at the end of the tunnel. And maybe I'm going to assume maybe half of what I normally expect with my allocation. If you don't know what to expect, you ask your investment advisor, Hey, here's one of the questions, Carrie, that we help people. You know, we know the question you need to be asking. So if you're using a professional investment advisor, you might want to ask them based on how the current economic conditions and how you currently have me allocated, Mr. Investment Advisor, what investment rate of return do you think I should be using?
2: Good number to know.
0: And see what they say. And now if they give you a wide range not that they ever do that, Carrie. I'll let you discover that on your own. Right. But if they say, "Oh, well, based on how I've allocated, you could expect under normal conditions anywhere from a four to eight percent rate of return."
2: Do you know if you build a plan on that range, there is a huge difference between four to eight. There's a difference between big difference between four to five. Yes. And for some people, that's a make or break. Four to eight. Hmm.
1: I just can't get enough the, the, of this. The Fed can handle this. That hurricane is right out there, down the road, coming our way. We just don't know if it's a minor one or. All right,
0: all right. So if so, because so, it'd be interesting to see if any of your investment advisors are telling you to model in the economic hurricane,
1: mm.
0: um, or are they just telling you stay the course? these things happen, they're normal, everything's going to be okay.
2: But I think having a plan and a detailed financial model that we do gives people peace of mind, not only is it about saving money and knowing you're, but really peace of mind saying, if I'm going to retire, I can still retire. Or this is how much longer I have to work. Or maybe I don't have to work at my job that I don't love anymore. I can work part-time and scale back over this amount of years and knowing what are actionable steps I need to take based on this worst case scenario. And if you're going to, and then I'm going to be okay, then you're most likely to actually do something, whether it's spending and that can mean a whole lot of things or not working or working less.
0: That's the power of doing detailed financial planning. Now your parents, by the way, I'm talking to the baby boomers because you know, I know the Z generation, you know, isn't listening to us, nor are the millennials. Right. But the baby boomers are, right? So your parents, by the way, they didn't have the sophisticated financial models going that we can run today. They had to almost do it by the seat of their pants. Right. Or using simple calculators. Or until like Bill Benjamin came out with his four percent rule, Carrie, mm-hmm. right? Um so the so we could use if you're trying to do this on the back of a napkin all right, you could you know, you could use Benjamin's 4% rule and say how would I modify that for an economic hurricane? And we can do that. Okay, so I've uh, you yeah, so let's look at that for a minute, right? So if you're not familiar with Benjamin's 4% rule, it's basically what he said was, you know, he he was trying to give a simple mathematical equation that says, how much could you be spending in retirement if you don't want to run out of money before life? And it was based on three or four major assumptions. One was the time period, meaning how long are you going to live? Benjamin used 30 years. Okay. Now that may be right for you. It might not be right for you. By the way, if it's not right for you, you need to go in and modify that. All right. Um, A second one is what investment rate of return are you going to use on your nest egg? Benjamin used 5%. Mm -hmm. If you ask your investment advisor what you should be using and he gives you something different than 5%, then you need to modify the 4% rule to what number he thinks you should be using. If you're doing it yourself, Mm -hmm. you come up with that decision. And by the way, uh, well, you might want to run it at different rates. All right. Um, The third assumption that... Benjamin used was the rate of inflation or the cost of living. In other words, Mm -hmm. he said, because whatever you pull out of your nest egg in year one of retirement, and that's what you're going to base your budget on in order to maintain that lifestyle, we better add in inflation. And this is where a lot of people who are, you know, get the 4% rule wrong. I don't see as much today, Carrie, as I did 20 years ago, Um, 20 years ago, no one had, I mean, I, I was just, Shocked at what people are saying. So, in other words, the four percent rule. So everybody uses the million dollar example, right? Because that's what when that, I just read that article headline today, right? The most people think you need a million dollars, right? And only twenty five percent of people think they're ever going to get it. Um, so a million dollars, a little
2: f- disconnect there.
0: Yeah, four <laughs> percent, forty thousand dollars a year. So they're saying that's what you start taking out the first year, forty thousand dollars, and then the second year you don't take out 4% of your new balance at the beginning of the second year. That's where people make the mistake. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: No, you take out 3.5% more than you did the first year. Okay, That's the difference. And then the third year, you take out 3.5% more than the second year. And by the way, so you follow this over the 30 years and the way the math works out is that by the end of the 30 years, your million dollars that you started with is approaching zero, meaning that you're spending the last dollar in the last day. Now, that's not everybody's plan. Right. So if that's not your plan, then you have to adjust the
2: math. But it's still the math still works. I, it's funny you mentioned him today because I saw an article. I pulled it up. I had screenshotted this week saying that he recently came out in the last week saying that even though this rule, I didn't realize it was 94 that he came up with mm-hmm. this, um, that said it should still hold up, even though people have said barring severe long-term inflation. And he's still standing by it because Morningstar, then it said came out in 2021 saying, no, it's more 3.3% based right. on inflation. And he's saying it still holds true based on those variables, but it's still a good model. He still stands by the math, and people keep criticizing him. Well, and,
0: and I keep just keep saying you got to modify the math right. for your own circumstances. Exactly. So let's do that, Carrie. All right. So now, let's go to, if you wanted to modify, because you believe we're going to have 7% inflation forever.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So instead of using 3.5% inflation, let's use 7. Keeping the same 5% rate of return. Okay. Keeping the same 30-year time period. Starting with the same million dollars in the beginning.
2: You're not taking out 40.
0: No, you're taking out your 4% rule becomes 2.5%.
2: Okay.
0: So you want to then say you you can't assume a 40,000 starting. You use 25,000. That's, that's a chunk. You're increasing that now by 7% per year.
2: Right. So you are adjusting higher for right. higher inflation. But that's
0: why I don't know how many people after hearing that really believe that we're going to have 7% inflation forever. God forbid we have double-digit inflation. No, Kerry. I don't hear too many more people saying about hyperinflation. right? No, no, because that's unrealistic. Um, now, but let's say you're saying, "Well, Mark, I really don't think it's going to be seven percent inflation forever. I don't. I just think it's going to be around for about the next, you know, five years."
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Then I think it's
2: still a long time.
0: Then I think we're back to, and I'm not even going to go back to the Federal Reserve's target of two percent. Let's go back to Benjins three and a half percent. Okay. So so seven percent you know, start you know, after year one that you're starting, seven percent inflation for five years, then back to three and a half percent. Okay, now your four percent rule becomes three point six percent.
2: I was gonna say probably in the low thirty thousands.
0: So about you couldn't you can't start assuming you're gonna take out forty thousand the first year, you're taking out thirty six thousand. Oh,
2: higher than I thought okay. in the first
0: year. Okay, And then you're increasing that by 7% for the next five years. But 36
2: isn't that far from 40 to start.
0: No, that's why you might not have to cancel the riverboat cruise.
2: But that's why it's important to know your numbers and have analysis before you worry about something that maybe, that is out of your control that you don't really need to worry about. But
0: what happens if we book the economic hurricane?
2: Mm.
0: Meaning... That not Which, only what kind of
2: category are you talking?
0: <laughs> Coat, what is it? Red or I think
2: it's one through five. Oh, one isn't
0: through that five. A... That's right. Well, the red of the, 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 the tornado storm, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, it's one through five. You're right. Um, so let's say there's seven percent inflation for the next five years, okay? But and then we'll go back to Benjamin's three <laughs> and a half percent. We'll keep the 5% rate of return, except now we're modeling in that economic recession. Okay. Meaning in year one, there isn't a 5% rate of return. There's
2: a loss. There's
0: a 15% loss. Okay. In year two, there's not a 5% rate of return. There's zero gain.
2: Okay. So you're doing a recession and slow growth recovery.
0: In year three, it isn't a 5% gain yet. It's only a 2.5% gain. Okay. And then by year four, we're back to our five ongoing. All right. Now your 4% rule becomes 2.7%. And under that scenario, you would start taking out 27000 And you'd be budgeting on that. Now, with that, you add in your fixed retirement income, which could be pensions, Social Security, and, and kind of go from there. Um, and that's where you're getting to saying, okay, now if I run that model, Mark, am I still in the ballpark? Can I still retire next year? Can I still do those riverboat cruises? Or do I have to make adjustments? And by the way, if I have to make adjustments, how deep do they need to be?
2: And that doesn't even take into account tax-efficient cash flow planning, which is another level we could spend time on that. But either way, call for a free consultation, which we can do that by phone or in person at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or visit us at FinancialFoodForThought.com. That's FinancialFoodForThought.com.